I started counting on the upbeat. Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, one and two and three. And, but then I, like at six, I went six, seven, eight, nine. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> He's a drummer. Uh, a drummer who doesn't know how to count. Podcast. I was just admiring your hat there, Nick. I realized the, the rare dad hat. Very rare. Yeah. 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 Super rare. Mythic rare. <laughs> is, is that new or is that a Christmas gift? Uh, no, I bought this a couple months ago. Wanted to have a dad hat for the summer because nice. I like to, you know, cover my hair, keep the grease unshown. Word. <laughs> I say this as a 30 year old man who doesn't know anything, but it's like, you know, it feels cool that the cool nerd culture things that we like are now cool and can be cool, but it's like also a dad hat and we're old. So I guess you take the good with the dad, EJ Olson, Nick Durheim, Chris Gilly Four. we're here once again, this is our fourth podcast this year. Did we beat last year? We might've at this point. I don't know. <laughs> Someone needs to keep track of those stats for me. Oh God, a release calendar. Yeah. That would be a very short uh, spreadsheet. Uh, <laughs> what, what was the year that we did really good? 2019. We were like really cruising every week. Yeah, I can't remember. But I'd have to, I'd have to look at the the release. Literally, look at the releases. This is ninety six. We've been doing this podcast since twenty sixteen, and we still have a hundred episodes. So it's you coming. do the math on that. It's coming. That's uh, it is, uh, and it will be here before you know it. Today is actually the, what's the math? Seven year anniversary of the podcast, January third. Oh, really? Or, yeah, it was 2016, right? We recorded the end of 2016 and released on the... It was January 3rd. It might have been January 3rd, 2017, but I thought it was 2016. We're going to fact check this now, but yeah, January 3rd. So, it's good to be here with you boys. That's auspicious. I'm I'm excited to be here. We're just coming off of Christmas, obviously. Nick, you're back to work. I know you take a big... Uh, a big Christmas break, cozy in for the holidays. Did you... Do anything exciting or is it just the the lazing around and the PJs and what was your JRPG this year? <laughs> well, I did start Persona 5 in October. I haven't been playing uh, too much video games the last few weeks. Been just doing other stuff, playing around with learning some programming more and just doing that. So just haven't like had a lot of uh, TV time, but the little TV time I have been spending with uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Oh, yeah. And then I picked up um, Super Kiwi 64, which is a cute indie 3D platformer. That's like very N64 Banjo-Kazooie vibes. It was like $2 and I had $1.50 in gold points. So I bought that and played it for an hour or so. And it's been nice, chill, nice, chill time. Uh, But beyond that, mostly just, yeah, hanging on the computer. Not a lot of video games. Played some Jackbox with the brother and the sister-in-law for New Year's. That was fun, but uh, nothing beyond that, really. Chris? Uh, similarly, I've been uh, not doing as as much uh, gaming during the holiday week. Uh, we were up in Granite Falls with my dad and stepmom. Uh, got to see Joey really briefly. He gave us a tour of the uh, SpaceX facilities up there, which was pretty tight. Uh Got to see what he's doing for Daddy Musk, uh, testing satellite propulsion systems, which just sounds like that's fake. That's not a real job. Um, 
And like literally just seeing like, yep, that's it right there. That's a satellite. That is what a SpaceX satellite looks like. Um, yeah, that was wild. So I did. Yeah, I've been playing a lot. I did. Um, I have been trying to get through God of War, desperately trying to get through God of War so we can do a, a <laughs> reaction cast. And, you know, if if I don't get it done this week, then I will for sure get it done early next. Uh, and we can uh, we can record. Uh, we can record that then. Uh, Nick also recommended to me uh, that I should buy Gato Rubato while it was on sale on Steam uh, or on uh, the eShop for $2. And that's the best $2 I've ever spent. I mean, it's literally somebody who's like, what if Metroid but cat? Like there's a designated button to meow when you're running around outside of the suit. Uh, and it's just got great mechanics. I mean, it's just a ton of fun to play in the like clear love letter to Metroid. Um, some fun things you could do with like goosing your jumps with rockets which is really neat um like not a platforming mechanic i would have ever like thought to apply to this genre but leads to some really interesting uh sections where you can break sequence if you can be really precise with that so it was a blast i devoured it i did like 95 percent of it on our flight home uh and then the other half hour on part of the drive back i'm not a huge uh metroid fan as we've chronicled well in this podcast but i'll play anything with a fucking cat in it oh you, it's great it's awesome you should definitely <laughs> play it. it's two dollars like you can't you can't miss didn't get any gaming related gifts i did buy those from you uh hades and dead cells which i'm overdue to play both uh after god of war i i went through i don't even know what spurred this it was just completely on a lark i was like like sarah was gone for a week and i just was puttering around the house it's that holiday lull and i'm going through all of my games because i'd already been selling some stuff on ebay getting rid of shit in the garage some game related lots of miscellaneous electronics and stuff and so i was going through my games to see if there was anything like that i had bought a few years ago and said oh i'm gonna play this and then it's you know still sealed and i said you know if i haven't played it by now fuck it and i realized i just had this moment where i thought to myself Dude, there's so many games that like, for example, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, a game that is like well-regarded and became this like sort of cult, like, or, or like this mythological, like, oh, well, back when, back when Scott Pilgrim used to be on the, the, the PSN network before they took it down and nobody can play the game again. And it was like this, you know, cultish sort of thing. And I just thought to myself, like, what happens if in 15 years I can't buy some of these games on the eShop? And my only way to play them, or eShop or PSN Network or whatever, my only way to play them is like literally this physical cartridge, which is why I buy physical games still, right? But the idea in 10 or 15 years of playing, like, I, I don't know, take your freaking pick, on my 8K television using the Nintendo Switch that outputs its menu at 720p, for Christ's sake, I'm just like... <laughs> I I have to future proof my collection here. So I went through and I picked out anything that was not a Nintendo first party game, well, for the most part, and was like I'm going to sell these off and I'm going to buy the PlayStation counterpart. And so I picked them all out. I have now sold every single one except for one on eBay now, and I have repurchased every single one except for one. And I ended up actually making money on the deal, even though some of the games were way more expensive on PlayStation. But so what did I, you got, you got Hades and Dead Cells. And then Nick, you got Rogue Legacy and Wargroove. 
Wargroove. Have you played Wargroove yet? Yeah, we played it back when it first came out. We bought it digital. Did we talk about it on the podcast? Probably. Probably, yeah. yeah. It was before they implemented any multiplayer, and it was just sort of like a, a cool campaign, like a medieval version of a Advance Wars. It was closer to Advance Wars than um, Fire Emblem, but you know, yeah. similar kind of hero vibes. Dude, my, my brother still plays that multiplayer like to this day. Him and a couple of his friends will get on and play. It's tight. And I've never played the multiplayer. Sort of passed us by, you know? Anyway, that's that's pretty much all I've done with uh, with my break. I haven't done a lot of work. I haven't done a lot of anything. Just playing some games. I got the uh, bug to start platinuming shit. And oh no! Oh. <laughs> just I had all these like unfinished games in the in the backlog, and so I like platinum Spyro two and three, and then I went and finished my hundred percent on Overcooked, and then I went and got my platinum on Rocket League last night because. I was so close to it. I figured I might as well. Chris, did you play Spyro growing up as a kid? A little bit. I I had friends that had the first two games on PS1, but I was still playing Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis games basically until I got a GameCube. So like I kind of missed the boat on a lot of those mascot platformers in the PS1 and PS2 era. Like even when I got a PS1, I was like, I'm not I'm not buying Spyro one. Like I'm buying games from my GameCube, right? But I'd love to get the trilogy. I wanted to buy it on Black Friday. I went into GameStop and I knew they were selling it for 20 bucks and they didn't have any more copies left. Yeah, it's um one of those games like I know that obviously like Crash Bandicoot did a lot better and so is like more broadly remembered. But but PlayStation's mascots, I mean it really was like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro back in the day. And and we had both in our household, but I love Spyro. It, Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage at last appraisal, this was a lot of years ago. This was 2016 now, but in 2016, that was on my top 10 games ever list. And who who knows where that ends up in 2023? But when that came out, I platinum the first game, which I had had as a kid, but like didn't get very far. Like when you're six years old or seven years old, Spyro's like kind of tough. And <laughs> at least it was for me. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of tough now with the LNR. Uh, camera control the right stick does a lot these days <laughs> yeah there's a lot of uh quality of life improvements in those games but i i was playing through it and the third one i had never played so i'm sitting here playing through the second one and reliving some of the nostalgia and trying to do some of the trophy challenges and it's like there's like some pretty hard things i was just thinking to myself like i don't understand why this isn't as highly regarded as something like crash bandicoot and I know I've pined for a Spyro 4, a proper Spyro 4, the way we got a Crash 4. And Crash 4 is really good. It's the best classic Crash game by a mile. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, I say classic Crash game, acknowledging only four Crash Bandicoot games. Oh, no, I agree. I agree completely. But but it's it's the best. I mean, it, I mean if, and it makes sense, too, because it's like, you know, it's a modern game. You're, and you're not exactly reinventing the wheel. You're just that development time is is put into like refining things that have already been refined. So it makes sense, but man, I want a Spyro. I really want a Spyro uh, 4. But Nick, you were asking about it. You were asking if you should just skip one. Because you didn't play this game growing up either, did you? Um, I, Maybe a couple times over at your place or someone else's place, but no, by the time I had a PlayStation, it was a PS2, and the only PS1 game I played on it was uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Can't fault you for that. So yeah, it was just PS2 games at that point. Yeah, and I don't think really. I think Spyro lost a lot of its shine by that era. Yeah, I don't know. 
So there's the three on PS1, and then there was like Enter the Dragonfly, I think, on PS2 and GameCube. It was a weird era for both Spyro and Crash. There was like the GameCube and a whole bunch of like weird Game Boy Advance ports and a lot of, uh, I don't know. Also, that was like a bad age for me to get into that style of mascot platformer. At that point, I was more interested in Ratchet and Clank and uh, Sly Cooper. That's a classic right there. I tried to play the Ratchet and Clank. Was that the 2018 reboot? I tried to play that over the holiday break as well. And I just, it, it not for me. I don't know. I, I just found, I found myself pretty bored with it. And I was thinking about that this week while I was playing Spyro. And they're different games, but at, at their core, it's it's the same thing. You go around, you kill enemies, you collect the shiny things. You know, like it's not it's not that different. And I why is one so enthralling to me? <laughs> Even nostalgia aside, there are plenty of nostalgia things. Like I tried to play Skyrim over the break. Got it going on the Xbox Series X, got it modded out, playing it on the 4K TV, and I just was like this is an old game. And I stopped. I just was bored, which sucks because that's one of my favorite games ever. So I'm like, why is Spyro so goddamn engaging? I was, I literally couldn't stop playing. I'd play for like six hours a day. Sound design. Maybe the music, dude. The freaking music in Spyro Not too. just the music. The little gloopity glops when you pick things up and you're picking things up all the freaking time. The shiny little, the, the, the diamond or the gems and the- just- endorphins rushing at your face dude the sound that spyro's fire breath makes it's just fucking perfect the chests the little golden chest that you erupt those things take me back it's exactly what i remember as a kid but just hdaf it's how it feels that's what it's gonna like nick said it gives you that shot of endorphins straight to the straight to the dome with all the, the the little things like the gloopity glaps, like even even I'm like, oh yeah, man, the gloopity glaps, like that. I I remember you know. it so specifically. Uh, but it's it, uh, same thing with any any old franchise. Like I I just remembered something else. I'd been uh, playing. I bought on iOS one of the Phoenix Wrights on 3DS that I never played. So I was like, oh, the eShop's oh. closing, and I don't want to go through all the hassle of having to like backdoor a gift card in or whatever. However, you have to do it to buy it. So I bought it on iOS. And all the like text sounds and clicking sounds and presenting sounds and all the little things that like make up how the game feels are the same. Um, and so it felt like it feels like coming home to uh, to an old friend and, uh, you know, maybe they're playing on nostalgia or maybe it just works. But ultimately, I don't know that I I don't know that I care as long as it hits like that. Nostalgia is obviously a big part of it. So for Christmas, I gifted a copy of the Insane Trilogy to my 11 or 12 year old cousin. And he he only just got a switch last year, and him and his dad are both like really into Breath of the Wild, and he's got a couple other games he plays, but he's mostly just like still so obsessed with Breath of the Wild. But I wanted to get him some other games, and I thought this is a good spot. This is like it's very different than Zelda, you know, a three D action platformer, the other end of the spectrum, and and for me it's like here's what I grew up on, but like palatable for the 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 modern twelve year old, you know. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's for him. Uh, I know uh, my uncle tried to play it, and he texts me. He says, "I'm." He says, "I'm too old and slow for this game," <laughs> which makes sense. But Crash. That's a good sign. Crash is very hard. Like, yeah. Oh my god! I bought the Insane Trilogy a couple of years ago before we started moving all over the place, and played through the first one, and did get like a hundred and eight percent or whatever to do do like everything wow. with hundred percent, including the level that they added that was scrapped from the original game, which I, I like made me want to 
made me want to be unalive. Uh, it was just so fucking impossibly difficult. But it's, I mean, it's worth it. But like, yeah, that's not a game that Ugh. it's still hard. It's still very hard. It's it's almost too hard uh, for me to like want to go down the completionist rabbit hole. Where something like Spyro is like so much more palatable. It has its challenges, but it is not what I would consider difficult at any point. Like there, there are some frustrating things and there's some like a couple times where you kind of butt your head up against like some like a time trial or like some odd like trophy challenge where it's like get through the level without getting hit by any of these things. And it's like, whatever, that's challenging, but not hard. The way Crash is like fucking punishing. Yeah. Crash Bandicoot, the Dark Souls of fucking platformers, dude. It might be, honest to God, and I didn't do any time <laughs> trials. The time trials do not count for 100% or I would have oh, been screwed. Because I tried like one level and what I literally do not understand this game well enough to know how I can possibly hit the time that you just told me I need to hit. Like, not even close. Going as fast as I fucking could. At 30 years old, I don't have the neuroplasticity to possibly train my brain. I am physiologically <laughs> incapable of of developing the hand-eye coordination at this point to do some of the things these games demand of you. It just can't happen, you know? Ten years ago, maybe. Now, no shot. You also just don't have that childlike endurance to just do the same thing over and 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 over. Because you don't know any better when you're a kid. You're just like, the game I got for my birthday is Shrek Hassle in the Castle on Game Boy Advance. So that's the game I'm going to spend 30 hours this weekend trying to 100% because we're just like, this is game and you just play it. This is life. This is game. This is game was life. Yeah. Your only escape from being bullied in elementary school or like bully others. <laughs> uh, it was just, yeah, man, that was all. Oh God, and you remember how long a summer Tuesday would be and mom doesn't want to drive anyone around to have a play date and it's so hot outside. So you like can't go ride your bike or like play basketball because it's so miserable so you just sit in the air-conditioned basement and you're playing Cars 2 for like nine straight hours. <laughs> you know? I had a summer of Animal Crossing, like OG Animal Crossing, where that was like literally all me and Josh did was play Animal Crossing. Like hundreds of hours of Animal Crossing. I had a lot of those. And having a brother who was, you know, close to me in age, Friday night you go to Hollywood Video and you pick up Marvel vs. Capcom 2 for like the ninth time and it's just it's just the two of us trying to rack up who has the most win lifetime wins against each other you know yeah that's that's the good old days but mm -hmm. nick i can't remember if since last time we recorded we chatted about you coming to eugene i think that was probably after we recorded last i don't remember definitely yeah um but you came down and originally i thought Nick's going to come down and play through God of War and we're just going to hang out and like, I'm going to just have a lazy ass weekend on the couch playing my switch. I was short lived. <laughs> I mean, you still had the lazy weekend on the switch. It's true. And I, I had a great weekend. I mean, you play God of War for like two hours. Did you just decide you'd rather play switch and have a more active weekend with a friend or did you get so put off by the game that you're like, fuck this. It didn't seem like the right setting to be playing a Sony first party kind of game. Um, and that could be either what, like us hanging out or just me personally not being in the mood for that. 
But yeah, it's, it felt like more of God of War from what I remember of God of War, which is a perfectly cromulent video game. I enjoyed it. Uh, it just wasn't like hitting right at the time. I'd rather play Splatoon 3, do that tricolor turf war, hang out with the boys, you know, throw Smeek on the ground, have EJ get just so salty, just malding over <laughs> Nintendo internet, which is always, you know, as a observer, I get to enjoy. Yeah, man. I just... It's it's a dark side of me it brings out because I am so competitive and and this is and this is what I loved about playing Warzone is like I actually was able to go from horrifically awful at a first person shooter to like in the top X percent of players like actually getting good at the game and being a sweat and like having that progression was so satisfying and so because I'm super competitive so when I play competitive games I want to win. I want to be, not, but not just win, right? It's not just like, oh, I beat my friends. But like, I want to be good. And when I'm not good, it just fucking, and then you compound that with all of Nintendo's issues, both with the game and their infrastructure. This is, you're describing exactly why I don't play online multiplayer games because I never get over that hump. And the only time I did was with the first Destiny and it was like two expansions deep. And I was like, I'm going to have to pay $60 for this game every six months until Bungie goes bankrupt and I stopped <laughs> and I literally never went back. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I saw the hamster wheel and I was like, I can't, but for one moment, one beautiful moment, I was like, Oh my God, this is why people do this. Like just absolutely doming people from a hundred yards with the last word with no scope whatsoever. Like <laughs> that was pure sex, pure digital sex. Ooh. But I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like I'm, I can't, I can't ever do this again. I have been in that destiny blender both in Destiny 1 and then in Destiny 2 during the pandemic. And I was actually literally just talking to a friend about this today. He called me up and he was like asking if I was playing anything right now. And he's getting, he's, he's a really big Halo guy. And he's like, I'm just, oh, I'm just over it. I can't play anymore Halo. And he was asking like what I'm playing. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really doing anything since Warzone 1 died. And I'm like, maybe, maybe we go back to Destiny. But I we've tried to go back to Destiny like three times now, and it just has fucking impossible. Yeah, it's just it, <laughs> it's impenetrable, dude. It really is. I want to check, okay, because I don't know where I would even check this, but I played probably on Steam. I could probably check that, but I played Destiny. I want to say about twenty hours, and I don't I have no idea what I did in that game. This is something we've talked about. Like the onboarding for the game is terrible, and there's like there are like three games within Destiny. There's the oh, quote unquote yeah. story. There's three like pause menus within Destiny. There's it's, it's, yeah, it's inscrutable. It's impenetrable. You need a guide just to tell you how to start playing it. It's awful. It, it no, it's it literally you you need to be sherpaed through like how to play <laughs> the real game because the real game is not what like most of my friends did originally was they played through a 15 hour campaign. They putzed around for another five hours. I'm like, oh, you didn't play Destiny. Nope. 95% of this game you didn't even come close to experiencing. Oh my god. But you need like but but with the raids and like some of the the hidden content and just figuring out how to play that meta and like getting a big crew together to to raid and Not stuff. Not worth like, it. I'd rather just play Monster Hunter. That's that's the same loop but yep. more interesting combat. I love a good bungee shoot, but you know, the pew pew only gets me so far before it's just like okay, so it's just there's three different enemy types. Great. Fuck all this. <laughs> the thing for me that I loved about Destiny is the thing that I loved about Warzone is that it is the the challenge and the cooperation are the two things that I really like. Is mm -hmm. that if you're in a raid with six competent people, 
you guys have to work really well together to accomplish whatever the goal of the raid is or yeah. the, the boss or whatever. That is what gets me going. And that's what I loved about Warzone was it had those things, but it was much more bite-sized and it was much less of a commitment. It wasn't like, well, you've got to fucking grind for two weeks and then we have to all coordinate to get on at the same time for a four-hour affair. It's just like, we can just hop on and fucking jump into Rebirth and shoot some shit. But it still had that dynamic that I'm looking for when I'm playing something cooperative. But yeah, I mean, Destiny's not going anywhere, but it just feels like, you know, we had some damn good runs with that game. A lot of hours and a lot of uh, long nights. But anyway, have you guys heard of or played The Case of the Golden Idol? Heard of. Seen it. Haven't played it. Seems like Oberdin wasn't very interested in that either. Not even a little. It is a lot better than Oberdin. Oberdin is really had the aesthetic going for it. They're, they're puzzle games, Chris. You know Oberdin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Case of the Golden Isle. It, it, it's a adventure puzzle game. More static screens, correct? Less less walking around. More because it seems like Mad Libs, but with like a point and click element to it. Totally, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's like I Spy meets Mad Libs, but with this sort of supernatural. I bet Chris would like it because I feel like some of the Ace Attorney games kind of played with that with the in between the visual novel kind of courtroom cases. You're doing like. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, right? With the DS especially, there was a lot of like looking around and looking for evidence kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, like you get to investigate the crime scene and you're trying to like look look, look for stuff that makes sense. And then when you actually get into trial, you're you're looking for contradictions and then like presenting the specific piece of evidence that you've had to have looked at to know like, oh, this refutes something that they just said. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, it was just sublime, dude. The way it was very difficult. You know, they start you off slow as you would expect them to as you sort of learn the mechanics, but it gets so intricate and convoluted and you're trying to figure out, and like you said, it's literally, it's like Mad Libs. You're filling in these blanks based on the information you found and uh, in on these st- static screens, like I said, it's like I spy, you're going through and, and, and looking in every pocket and reading all these documents and gathering all this information. Dude, I was in a blender for like three days. Brendan and I played together. What's it on? Uh, I think it's only on computer at the moment i thought it was um, on xbox isn't it on game pass i thought it was one of those it might be i don't know i thought it was only a pc thing but oh, to get steamy for it yeah it's just on windows oh shit it, i had a lot of fun with it it was a couple of days and uh um it seems like a game it, i mean it's it's very different than like a monkey island or something but of that era and i'm always surprised when when i experience things like this and i'm like oh i really like that you're not just into running and gunning. Sometimes you like the stopping and thinking too. Yeah, every oh. once in a while, you know. <laughs> Speaking of neuroplasticity, I'm trying to. I'm trying to listen. I've been working out, dude. Okay, I'm trying to get gains into arms and brains. You know what I'm saying? Brain gains. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Let's go. Yo, look at Chris is good. I see your pictures, man. You're getting freaking. You're getting yoked out, dude. There, man, I'm. I've gained like almost ten pounds in this bulk cycle. Like I'm. I'm close to two hundred. I am not close to 200. <laughs> <laughs> we can meet in the middle. We can meet in the middle. I'll come from this way. You come from this way. I did. I'm trying, man. Honestly, like I, I started working at the end of October and I've, I've mostly stuck to it. I took like five days off for Christmas, but otherwise I'm, I'm doing like a circuit every other day. Basically, That's it's nice. just like at home stuff, light weights, a lot of body weight stuff. And I got a lot of body weight, so <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's transition here. We had quite the fucking text exchange about this on New Year's. Nick, 
I'm trying to keep the floodgates from opening here as I rant. Get us into the fantasy league. Break us down. And then... <laughs> By the way, I figured out what was wrong with my, my uh, formula for um, calculating points manually because the way they, up, they updated the, the point system to be more um, forgiving for complete duds so that below 70, you know, you lose a point per point, point below 70, but then below 60, it's half and below 50, it's quarter. I was going to say like this math didn't make sense. Right. So it's at 50 points, a game would get you negative 15 as opposed to negative 20 and so on and so forth at negative at 40 instead of negative 30, you'd get negative 17.5, et cetera. So my formula wasn't accounting for that. So it was breaking, but now it's all fixed and everything is looking good. And that makes me happy. Can you share this document with us so we can go over to the things you're about to break us and, down? And on? can I, can yes. I ask once you're all welcome to like recap, whatever piece of this you want. If I could please have the last 24 hours, if I could please just break down those last 24 <laughs> hours, that would make me so, yeah. so happy. Yeah. Please recount it because I'm sure we were both enjoying it the most, but uh, you more so because you have a bottle of whiskey on the line and you enjoy whiskey. I had nothing on the line. I was already clearly in first. Yeah, you you had it wrapped up like two months ago. I mean, it was not close. It was pure schadenfreude for EJ molding online. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and listen, I, I've gotten most, uh, most of the energy out about this. No, you have not. I was not. like pretty... <laughs> I was pretty hot on New Year's Eve. Like not, I was angry at like, like this is all friendly competition, but I was on like discord with Brennan when this was all transpiring through the evening. And Brennan has been following our entire saga closely, both through the podcast. But I, I, I talk to him about fantasy critic every week because every week I will be on discord and I'll hop in and I'll check. I'll see what am I picking up this week? He gave me some helpful pointers on some games to look out for. I don't think any of them actually came out this year, but and he's got his finger on the pulse, and so for him to be there as as my world collapsed on New Year's Eve in the final hour. So anyway, okay, okay, Nick, get us into this, and then we could banter about kind of just how the whole year went. Sure, yeah, I've got all the relevant tabs open for the the final final scores. Let's just get the final scores out of the way. I came in first. I got two hundred twelve point nine seven points. That's a nice 213 for those counting at home. Yeah. Chris came in second with 125.39. And EJ in distant third with 125.37. That is two <laughs> hundredths of a point for those of you who are bad at math. <laughs> Bring the Dewey Decimal System out, as EJ called it. The Dewey Decimal <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is a library. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, ah, ah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh we, we, we need to, before we get to New Year's Eve and that day. Back when you had a, a 14 point lead a on Chris. 14 point lead. And me saying, man, there's no way that they're going to biff it that hard that it's going to lose you 14 points. But you have to, here's the context that, that we need to go into this with. No, we do. Is that broad strokes, in my estimation, Chris had a decent draft, but his pickups were largely horrific. However, here's Chris was so cocky on so many occasions that he was going to fucking beat me, okay? And then and then the 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 bomb of Callisto Protocol and Pokémon and Harvestella, which I predicted. And then 
And then it was like River City Girls in the final hour coming through to pull me ahead by 13 points or seven points, whatever it was. And and just the, the cockiness from Chris. The, like, there's no chance now. And then how quickly that flipped to like, there's there's literally no way I can beat EJ. To my world collapsing in, 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 in one day. I mean, it just, it, what a fucking, they could make a 30 for 30 about this whole fucking league this year, okay? It's like, you are that, that comic of the guy stepping on the rake. That's Chris stepping on the rake. And you are the one that's like skateboarding, doing kickflips down the rail and then landing on the rake. <laughs> you did all this just to still lose to Chris. And it's just fantastic. Uh, uh, okay. All right. Get us, get into this. Cause we're going to, we're, we're going to blast through some of these, some of these picks and what went wrong. And I have a bone to pick too, with your estimation with regards to my own pickups, EJ, but we'll come to it. Nick, your spreadsheet is crazy here. Is this, you do this manually for every time a game's released? Well, as you can see, I've got a formula. You got charts, um, dude? For the score and sum um, <clears throat> for each player. I've got a formula calculating the points and then a formula calculating the sum so that the score chart can be nice and pretty if you go over to that tab. I like to sort it by date released, and that makes a nice little line going up most of the time. But... Mostly the notes that I have are just sort of like notable pickups and drafts and both in good and bad on the side there. So, for example, the best counterpick was uh, me counterpicking Saints Row. I think it was the only counterpick that actually gained points. Correct. The worst counterpick being, I think, EJ with uh, Monkey Island because that lost you, what, like 17 points? 17 and a half. And, you know, me thinking that counterpicks would be droppable makes sense. I don't remember that being like a very forward-facing option but it makes sense that it would not be possible to drop them because then you could just counter pick and like screw people out of dropping their games too easily and that's like a little bit too feels bad i think so just having that more known now i think is a benefit i made a test league yesterday and went through every single rule option so that after this podcast when we go and set up our 2023 league there will be no questions for me on what is possible and not possible. <laughs> That's perfect. I appreciate yeah. that. I try to be as clear as possible. I try to share everything that seems relevant. It wasn't your fault. I mean, it was, but I'm not holding it against you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. So in general, I've, yeah, I've got, I've just got a lot of information here. I don't know how much of it is relevant. I like tallied up how many points we had that were just positive. How many of the points that were just negative. This is insane, dude. Um, Chris had the most negative picks out of all of us. Could have told you that for free. <laughs> and who had the most goose eggs on games that didn't fucking release? I had five well, games. Well, the point, the problem with EJ is that he had two of those games released, but they just still didn't get enough points to or enough reviews to actually score. Top Gun Maverick had five overwhelmingly positive reviews, all of them unscored from... From certified fresh tomato meter, whatever they metric that he's an upper critic, certified reviewers who just decided because it was a little DLC that they were going to score the thing. What? What? The, five of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the dice you roll when you play fantasy critic. When you pick DLC in this league, that's my, that's my number one takeaway from this whole year is do not fucking draft DLC, period. For anything. Don't okay, do Cuphead, it. the delicious last course that got you a solid 18.24 points. That is, honestly, having, having played that game, it's a sequel. It's a fucking sequel. I get that they're like, haha, it's DLC, but it's a sequel. It's a fat, fat, fat piece of content. 
I had I had I had three games not released and two not get scored. So five games. So Chris, you had three more games than me, and I counterpicked your Monkey Island that lost me seventeen and a half points. Yeah, wow, what a lemon of a choice that was. Well, again, I I I, I picked it thinking. I mean, I mean, it got shadow dropped. It literally was like long time ago. They said it's coming in 2022, and then they did nothing, no marketing. They didn't talk about it. They didn't give it a release date. It was just one day. It was like, hey, by the way, this game's out on Thursday or whatever. And boom, there it was. And I did. I, I even if I wanted to drop it, and the rules allowed me, I wouldn't have had enough time to drop it because it came. Like, I only knew the week it was coming out that it was coming out. Yeah, at that point, there's like no logical reason for you to drop a game. At like, there would be no other game that would come out that would be worth dropping it for so and i remember i was excited about that game too and there was no way to know that it would just come out and be just goose egg you know like that's a that's a bummer it's seriously high drama and i loved it for that but it also sucks because it totally just like capped off your kind of mediocre to good year with just a big old shit stain Well, with Sports Story, yeah. We had a lot of drama at the end of the year here, knowing already that Nick, I mean, you 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 mopped up the league months ago. Like we there was you know, we were we were doing math and we were like, well, if our remaining games did X, Y, and Z, there was just no way to catch you after like June or something. I had a really strong run when like Colt of the Lamb and then Roller Drome and then Curse to Golf and then Saints Row all netted me just like a really good run of points. And then by the time Xenoblade dropped, I was just like, well, you guys are going to have to just like hit hit real strong bangers for the rest of the year. And that just didn't happen. It did not happen. I have what I think is a very mediocre run from top to bottom. Chris, <laughs> you had a pretty rough coming. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. You know what? You know what? You know yeah, what? Yeah, EJ, God damn here. you. You know They're what? Bad. Listen. I'm going to take. Listen. No, you listen. You listen. I will I take wanna, some. Listen. Okay. I'll listen first. I'm the bigger man. I just, <laughs> okay. Not literally, but that. Oh, wow. Okay, now we're getting personal about it. Okay. That's the generosity of second place. You started off with the banger. 30 30 freaking points of own ring, sure. But your pickups, dude. Ghostwire, that was a flyer. Don't blame don't blame you. Final Fantasy, I counterpicked that like the day you got that in the in the bid cuz I knew where that was going. I so boom. Only two points on that. Nintendo Switch Sports, we learned our lesson last year. We knew that was a bad idea. Borderlands, I don't begrudge you for, given, to me, <sighs> losing two points in that, yeah, it's pretty rough. Saints Row, dude, Old Republic, that was, I think Nick tried to counterpick that, and it, like, it wouldn't let me because it was coming out the same week I wanted to counterpick it. I thought that would be, like, at least a uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator DLC thing where it just wouldn't get enough reviews, but then suddenly that got more reviews that were scored than two of EJ's games that were like both good. Crazy. <laughs> Love to see it. <laughs> Harvestella, Chris, here's what happened. You, you were saying that was, that was like danger alert. This is pushing the nine zone. I did say that. I said this that. This is Squeenix. It's a farm sim. It's all the rage right now. It's, this is pushing a niner niner. Okay. This is Tommy boy territory. Okay. And I said, I bet you it starts with a seven. <laughs> I, I seen everything about this game because I looked at picking that game up. You took receipts. No, you did. Look, I'm going to I'm going to say two things are true right now. My pickups were god awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you still beat me. <laughs> no, no. I don't need yes. to say that because we fucking know. Uh, but the other thing I'm going to say is that your draft was terrible. Your draft was terrible. And I'll tell you why it was terrible. No, no. I'll tell you why it was terrible right now. Horizon God of War 
Slam Dunksicles. God of War, okay, no guarantee that's going to release, but if it does, and it probably, we thought, okay, it's probably coming out, that's a 90s for sure. And it is, absolutely is. But when you picked up, and I'm looking in draft order right now at everybody's, you picked fucking Hogwarts Legacy at number five, a game that was practically vaporware in January. And you thought, yeah, this is going to come out this year. Senua Saga, we saw one pre-rendered cutscene like a third of the way through the year. A reminder that Chris picked Senua in our 2021 draft. What a hypocrite. And you thought, yeah, that's a good pickup. Advance Wars, okay. It's not like you could have predicted that Russia was going to like go invade Ukraine. Fine. Like that's not really your fault, but three of your draft picks, three of the games that you could have picked anything in the world didn't fucking come out this year. I would argue that like my pickups are bad, but your draft was God awful. It wasn't your fifth pick Hollow Knight. No, my sixth pick was Hollow Knight. Nick's fifth pick didn't come out either. Stalker 2, again, it's a Ukrainian developer. That's not his fault. That's not his fault. That's the only game. You're slim picking by, by pick five. By my pick five, I was picking last two. So like 15 games are off the board. My pick five got 13 points. Like, don't tell me there's shitters on the board. We drafted pretty well, all things we considered. We did. We really did. Except for EJ. Except for EJ. EJ drafted just as well as all of us because EJ got six games over an 80 from his draft. I got seven games over an 80 in my draft. And you had six games over an 80. All of them got counterpicked. All three of the games that EJ was like, yeah, yeah, these are coming out. They got fucking counterpicked. Yeah, th- th- that, that is the danger of the speculation game. And you did that more than anybody else this year. Not me. My oh, pickup sucked. I did. But I drafted more intelligently than I did last year. Like, you must admit. Yeah, I mean, you took you didn't take your flyers in the draft, which is smart. And I even said that. If you go back and listen to the podcast from the last draft we did, I even said there's no point in taking any flyers in the draft. And I still did and because I was did. just getting so low. And, and, you I, and I, I do regret it. need to own that. Telling me I had a shit ass draft and shit ass pickups in the group chat. Like, no, you fucked up. You fucked up. <laughs> well, to be fair, all your points, you know, 30 points in Elden Ring without Elden Ring. I mean, you did even worse than last year. And that's hard to do. It was a no fucking brainer. It was a no fucking brainer. I missed that by a, like a freaking month. I would, you know, oh, that's not coming out. It's going to be 2024. I missed it by a damn month. Hogwarts Legacy, I missed by a goddamn month again. And you know what? If you draft it for next year's draft, I'm counterpicking that shit again because that game looks fucking terrible. Hogwarts Legacy? Yes. With all the shit surrounding that game, it's not. No, man. It's I think not, it'll. I don't know. That's I'm not a 73. Any. That's a 73. Harvestella is a 73. <laughs> You know what? We'll talk about my pickups in a second. I just want to point out it doesn't surface itself very, very readily in the uh, in the 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 critic breakdown and in my in my uh, spreadsheet. But you picked up, and it's a good pickup. Marvel's Midnight Suns, good pickup. Then it got delayed, so you dropped it, <laughs> and then you picked it up again. So you wasted a drop, so you couldn't drop a game that got delayed till next year. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so I true. Just, I just think that was funny. <laughs> it was funny. And I, 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 I think that the way that it was advertised as this game is maybe coming out this year, I think it was a smart drop. And then I think it was a smart pickup. But yeah, when Atomic Heart got delayed, I was like, oh, you guys don't have any counter picks. Like I could drop that and try and pick something else up that probably would have got me negative points. But uh, 
Yeah, that was that was funny. Just a little quirk that I wanted to point out. I like pointing out like the weird sort of corner cases like that was one of them. Oh, yeah. It's like the Steve Blake of our fantasy league where it's like, ah, you could go. Ah, come on back. That's jokes. Third time's the charm. Um, Just kidding. You've been cut. Even though Brandon Roy was handling the ball when you were the point guard. um, Look, my pickups were terrible. And the lessons that I've learned from this year are uh, twofold. Well, threefold. One of them is uh, uh, do some research because God knows like I really was going off the cuff with some of these that I was like Saints Row name recognition. That's probably like a 75. Whatever. I paid like a dollar for it. Should have looked into that game more. The second thing I learned is I don't trust Nintendo at all unless it is a tentpole release. Mario and Zelda. (laughs) Yeah. If it's not like or or Metroid or even Kirby, like I am not paying money for this game in this league. Uh, absolutely not. They are, they are a game freak. Fucking forget about it. I will never pick oh, up another no. one of those games. Well, to be fair, you got 15, 14 points on, on Arceus, which yeah. I, I would, if I had got into the year making a prediction about both Pokemon games, I would have definitely flip flopped Violet and Arceus's scores. I, I could yeah, not have predicted totally. a 70. 100%. I, I agree. And I do think that I haven't played Scarlet and Violet. I won't until they release a really robust uh, performance patch. And they won't. Texture load-ins, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Animation improvements. I don't give a fuck. I just don't want it to crash all the time. I don't want people to clip below bridges and into oblivion. Like I just want it to be a, a finished game. That's all I want. It's truly hilarious watching the compilations of how egregiously awful that game runs. This is something that that plenty of people say, Nick, you've said it to me a million times, is that like good graphics don't make a good game and a good game doesn't need good graphics. But like you'd be hard pressed to plot me into an open world that looks like shit and then be like, go immerse yourself and have fun. Like, no, like, you know, I can play a game like Curse the Golden Idol and it looks like it was made in 1998. But that's fine. It doesn't it doesn't need any more than that to when A, that's an aesthetic thing, but B, it doesn't need more than that. The gameplay is not enhanced. I'm playing Skyrim and you have like 14 polygons on screen and you're like, what the fuck? This is supposed to be like the most immersive game of this generation. You know, in 2023, it's looking pretty rough. Back in the day, it was a whole different story. But like, yeah, when you're playing a Pokemon game that looks like it was made 15 years ago and it runs like it's being played on an N64, it's like, my God, man. Well, that's doing the N64 disservice. The way the game looks and runs is an overwhelming part of what sells me on those games. And if you can't make a game that looks or runs well, like, dude, I don't care because my brother has played it and some of the group chat has played it. Drew has been a staunch defender of the new Pokemon games. And listen, if people are having fun with it, that's great. I am not giving that company another dime. Not that my dollar matters because it's still a fastest selling Pokemon game fucking all time. Is that true? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was the fastest selling game in Japan. of all time in Japan. Are you fucking it, kidding like, me? Cross like 10 million copies in like a week. Oh no, my God. No incentive to ever do anything different. I wonder if they'll, if they'll get around to fixing it. Cause they haven't really, why would they? They haven't had a track record. Well, I mean, because they want to keep selling copies and they want to sell the DLC. I mean, there is incentive for them to make it better. You know, I'm not going to sit here and defend game freak and Pokemon company. They don't have a great track record of making games that run super well. Yeah. So, so Chris, I can't fault you for that pickup. And to be fair, I'm sure a lot of the unscored reviews are very positive because people really like the game. They just say it runs like, Oh, don't even get me started on unscored reviews on Scarlet Violet. IGN 
what what scrap of credibility they had left is in the fucking incinerator after that abortion of a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet review where they were like, well, we don't want to score it until we we see the game as as it's eventually going to be when they improve it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Have some journalistic integrity. I thought it was a scored review. Not originally. It is a scored review. No, it wasn't scored because they wanted to see how the online like the co-op played. Oh, maybe it it scored the day it actually released. I don't know. I can't remember, but that's that's hilarious to me. And this is funny because we're playing a a a, a fantasy sport right now that complete completely hinges on review scores. This is why reviews are so dangerous. Is because it's like yeah, the Pokemon fan is probably going to give the Pokemon game a more favorable score just for being Pokemon than like someone who's not invested in the franchise but like enjoys games you know and so reviews are only useful if you know the reviewer knowing what you want out of a game and using the context of a review to inform your your purchase so it's just a it's just a complete shit show with some of these reviews the numbers are made up and they don't matter and it's never mattered okay drew carey whoa (laughs) i'm serious like what what is the what is the point of a Pokemon review? Who is it serving? Like you can you can grind your axe by saying it runs bad and give it a, a low score. You can say it was the most fun you ever had because you love Pokemon and this is a, a new take on the Pokemon franchise. So just why why review anything with a score? Like why try to quantify it? It's it's hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, it's an exercise of futility. You know, like objectively uh, trying to ascribe a number to art is always it's dumb. You know, like hashtag award season for your consideration. <laughs> yeah, for your consideration, uh, something else I'm going to be pissed off about that I shouldn't be because I know it's bullshit, but it's not that fucking hard to be objective about this. It's just not. It's not. It's not. Unlike people who work for gaming publications, like at the risk of sounding like a gamer gator, which I'm fucking not, and I don't even want to go into that conversation, like the industry is in bed with publishers like they are like the publishers could deny them access if they get the bad reviews like Kotaku, which is like the only games website I read, which is probably why I'm so bad in league. Uh, they're blackballed by like two or three different companies because they keep breaking leaks about their video games. That's like they are literally doing their job as video game journalists to report on information they received. And the game company says, fine, fuck you. You're not getting a review copy. This is the problem, though, with being both an entertainment outlet and a news outlet like movie reviewers are not they're not press. They're fucking also entertainers. In their own yeah. weird right. That's where it gets muddled is like, oh, we, we both want to report on games, but also our livelihood depends on like playing these games and telling you about them and generating our own content about the game. Having a take. <laughs> but from an objective point of view, though, and that's where I think of like a lot of these Pokemon reviews, like honest, honest to God, looking at like the things that people said about this game and then seeing that it is still a 72. These two things do not go together to me like this should be like a 63 or a 64 because of how fucking bad it runs but because people are like ah pokemon i played every game in this franchise since i was a child and for some inexplicable reason they're being paid money and still can't be objective about the product that's in front of them it's embarrassing we do it i mean like come on it wouldn't be a console crusade podcast if I didn't bring up Breath of the Wild but I bring this up for two reasons oh my One, god because i'm going to have the first pick in, in in 2023 fantasy critic draft. Are you picking Tears of the Kingdom? Yeah, I will be. I won't feel good about it, but I will be. Oh, how the turntables. 
<laughs> well, because because this is my thing is the like Zelda again. I've said this before. Zelda reviewed ten points higher than it should have. Best game of all time territory is completely ridiculous for a very good game that did some new stuff. But that's sort of Nintendo's mantra. They get they get points for doing new things for them because they're so stuck in the past. No other franchise gets bonus points for trying new things, right? Usually hold that against other games when they try something new and it doesn't totally land. But for Pokemon and for Zelda and for fucking whatever, it's, oh, well, this is a great... Step four, they're trying new things. The next iteration will be the one. And obviously, Zelda is a far better product than than recent Pokemon games. It's part of the meta. You're you're re- you're looking into the tea leaves and you're seeing you're seeing the reflection of the the types of people who review games and put numbers next to their reviews and then they get congregated into an aggregate site like Open Critic. Tell me God of War Ragnarok is a 93. Like the points don't matter. You're just you're judging the industry and how people will view these things. Again, this is like I brought up last time like it's the, it's the 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 Last of Us analog of like the gameplay is really Wow, what an improvement on something that was already well regarded. But it's the narrative stuff in a game that is, for me, mostly rooted in its narrative. How good a game this game is 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 based, and for me, that's what fell short. So I'm like, yeah, this is probably, in my estimation, not as good as everybody else rates it. But but the reviews are not a reflection, generally, of quality, but a reflection of how people enjoyed the product and. There are lots of products we I have brought this up on this podcast before and it's oh, it's the running joke like I like a lot of bad things. You loved the first Avatar. <laughs> I really did and that's a whole other funny conversation we could have after having seen the new Avatar movie this month. But 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 it's just about the enjoyment and 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 at least for me I feel like I'm able to have a reasonable conversation as are the two of you of like why we like something while acknowledging things that aren't great or, or acknowledging things that shouldn't be the end of the world, but that really got in the way of, of being able to actually freely enjoy something. Well, yeah, because you have to be the kind of person who either writes or dictates a review of a thing in like a format that gives it a number like that in itself puts you in a category of person. (laughs) I don't know if you guys listen. I did sort of that little one-off podcast with Daniel last month and, and in it, there's a little aside where I talk about how I, have gone down the rabbit hole of Dave Portnoy pizza reviews on YouTube. The barstool guy who's a total cock, but his fucking, he does pizza reviews literally every day all over the country. He, he goes and he eats a pizza and they're like three minute videos and he just gives them a score. And it's always, it'll be like seven, six. It's always a decimal and there's no rhyme or reason to the actual scoring system. It's just like, that's beautiful. That's art. It, I mean, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and I've like nailed, I've started to get into the routine of like, I can predict what his score is going to be based on, because it's like, it is based on, it. is the pizza good? Did I enjoy the pizza? But the, the metrics for how he judges is all over. And that's how video games is. And that's fine. It's just like, it's this, this feigned objectivity when evaluating these things. It's like, it's, it's not real. And I think the reason why a company like a Nintendo gets grace and gets rewarded more when they make improvements on a system that as you said, has been something like by and large has been the same for quite a long time is because they make better games than 90% of the other people on the planet. They make games that are more fun than 90% of companies on the planet. They make, they, they found the formula for this really fucking works in this genre before anybody else did. And so of course they're going to get rewarded for it. But I think that they also reward 
other companies that do the same thing, right? It just doesn't happen as often as we'd like to think it does. Like you think of like a Hollow Knight, and I said this on this podcast, like I am on record as saying that is the best Metroid game ever made, and I don't think that that's likely to change. And I don't know if Nintendo's ever going to make a Metroid game that's better than Hollow Knight, but that is so fucking rare. That is so rare. Like, I don't know the last time I would say like, oh, that is Zelda that's better than any Zelda has ever been in terms of the mechanics, like uh, uh, combing the overworld and finding these different tools that let you interact in different ways and uh, like really good, interesting dungeons with uh, 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 puzzles. And I, I mean, I don't know, like y'all get what I'm saying here, right? Like, I, I, I think this is pretty fair to say. If you look at Open Critic, the best reviewed games of the year, it's generally like niche titles, right? It's well, there's a lot, there's a lot coming out that flies under the radar. And then the AAA. But you know? but you look at like the best reviewed games, and like there aren't that many in a given year, 90 or above games. These these no. generational yeah, that's a rarefied air. Used to get a lot more of them. Like honestly, like if you look at Metacritic, because they've been gathering uh data for a lot longer than Open Critic. If you look at their most highest rated titles, it's all like weird shit like Soul Calibur 2 and like Ocarina of Time, like Ocarina of Time, I think, is as an average of like a 98, and that's way too high. I mean, Ocarina of Time is seminal, and it's it's a reflection of the time, honestly. No, totally. And I think now it's just the landscape has changed because the people who are still writing reviews in this time are, it's a dying media, just a, the written review, and I don't know how many of these are even written anymore. I, I haven't like combed through what Open Critic uh, like aggregates from, but it's just it's a it's a weird genre of thing to write about. It's just the the media review in general. Like, is Pitchfork still a popular like website or magazine for music reviews? Are movie reviews relevant beyond a just general tomato score? Or like, those things are weaponized more often than they are actually valuable, especially the user side of it. Except on platform specific uh, reviews, but even then, like a Steam review can just reflect the latest patch that they took out something and then everyone's mad about it. So it's hard to tell when those are valid either. I think user reviews and I mean, just think about buying shit on Amazon and how many of those reviews are fake. It's all just like a, a nightmare hellscape out there as far as trying to find out if something is good. Context is important. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's why long form things like podcasts and YouTube videos where people just like sit down and chat about a game is probably growing in popularity is because it's a lot easier to get a, like a judgment on whether you think the game's gonna be good and then from there there's so many other avenues like you just watch a twitch stream of someone playing a game to find out if you if you want to play it or not written reviews are just they're weird now i think well most written reviews now are actually just like scripts for video content that have been slightly reworked or vice versa and that's fine because i i still i i watch reviews more than i read them but i do at a glance reviews all the time and so I, it's nice to have the written component, but thankfully it's not a one or the other thing. Like like written reviews aren't going anywhere because they're so hand in hand with the video content that everybody does consume. But you're right that a, a podcast, you know, a, a more free form just conversation is probably more valuable um, in assessing. You know, but but all that to say again, it's funny that we're sitting here recapping a league where review scores is the whole the whole name of the game. But like you you also said, it's the meta. That's the fun of it. You know, exactly. I love I love reviewing the reviews. It's funny <laughs> because it's even less worth like worthwhile <laughs> looking at the 
all-time top-rated games on OpenCritic, by the way. Uh, the first two pages worth of games, so that's approximately 40 games. Uh, the oldest game on here is Super Mario 3D World. Uh, yeah, I think they started around 2013, so... Makes sense. That makes sense. Actually, no, they started in 2016, I want to say. That might be the reissue on Switch. Is it uh, Bowser's Fury? Uh, oh, no, no, it's dated that's... 2013. I thought they were newer. Interesting. Well, I- anyway... That's that's a fun conversation about the the nature of review, reviews and and something that Chris and I are both and we can acknowledge but Chris and I are both bad at is we are we we tie our own feelings so closely to these scores and how that impacts our assessment um going into the league and and that's something that Nick you 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 seem to have gotten over and or I still get gut checked I mean Chris was talking about how good Nintendo makes games, but we still fell for the trap of going for sports games by them, which is just the worst mistake anyone can make. <laughs> that was your lowest reviewed game. No, uh, Dragon Quest Treasures was, but by that point you had the league sewn up. So like, who cares? Right. But Mario was like one of your, that was your first pickup after draft. And that was a total lemon at 73. I thought the different developer would have a better reflection of quality. Dude, same. Next level working on it as opposed to, um, what is it? Uh, fucking, it used to be Hudson, but it's like ND Cube, I think, does like the party games. And then Camelot does the sports games like tennis and golf. And Camelot hasn't been, they've been a shell of themselves for like the longest time. People want new Golden Sun. And it's like, no, you don't. Not from them, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and this is also a, a sign of the times. Like Mario Strikers Battle League probably would have reviewed 10 points higher in 2006. You know mm. what I mean? So it's also just knowing the, the the temperature of of the industry. Well, yeah, and it's just local multiplayer is it's not like a no one cares about local multiplayer anymore. Sadly, and their online setup is unfortunate. I want to care <laughs> when we're when we're young and have our friends to play with on a whim. Yeah, couch co ops really important, but when you're thirty and see your friends three times a year, half the time over a you know a screen, um, it's a lot more important to have a viable online infrastructure, you know, Chris. So, so we briefly touched on how sports story came in high expectations, thought it was going to save me. And then, um, river city girls, which was a counter pick that you had on Nick that actually put me in the lead. And it looked like I was going to have everything locked up. Sports story gets shadow dropped the day before Christmas, like on the 23rd, right? Um, they said it was coming. They said it was coming. They said it was coming. But there was, I mean, their Twitter hadn't been updated in, in months other than a retweet of the like indie showcase. It was just like inactive Twitter, not a very communicative uh, developer. They were the same way back when Golf Story initially came out. Right. And Golf Story, I played through it, beat it. Great game. Last month. Awesome game. Annoying final course, but great game. Very annoying final course. I finally beat it. Felt good. It was very challenging. The RNG was pretty ridiculous, but it was such a wind, bro. (laughs) It was a great stepping stone for what could have been something amazing. So anyway, high expectations for sports story. Everybody, you, you search sports story on Twitter and it was all, it was people in the industry saying I'm reserving my game of the year judgment until sports story comes out. 23rd, it comes out. And it gets no reviews through Christmas. And we're thinking, it's not going to get any reviews because everyone's on holiday break now until the new year. Right? Welp. Welp. It got two reviews. It got two reviews. Yep. But no score because you need three certified reviews in Open Critic. It has two reviews. And they're less than favorable, but not in the danger zone by any means. I'm like, okay, six and a half. 
not great. It was mostly a performance thing, a little bit of critique on some of the uh, the fetch quest, you know, an unfocused sequel. Where have we seen that before? Two reviews. You would expect a game like this would end up with 20 reviews at some point, but it's again, it's the end of the year. So I go to bed at night knowing that I have beaten Chris. He's going to owe me a bottle of whiskey. I gracefully hand my crown to Nick who absolutely thrashed us and we all feel good. Well, maybe not Chris, but Nick and I feel good. What happens on new year's fucking Eve? I had resigned myself to, because as has been said, like in the last, in the month of December, I had these games that, you know, my last four pickups, netted me a grand total of like 12.3 points. And I needed, I mean, I literally needed like five or six more points from these games to have been competitive. And I had also, I counterpicked River City Girls too, knowing that if that game comes out, I am fucked. It is over. Because if it comes out, it's a positive (laughs) point game for fucking sure. But I'm like, this game's not coming out. They've been saying 2022 with no news and no news and no news. Then finally... It's coming out in early December. And I'm like, all right, it's over. It's fucking over. I don't care. I literally don't care. I, I did not check the league after River City Girls came out until New Year's Eve just because I was like, oh, it's the end of the year. I guess I should like formalize the fact that I fucking lost. And there's two there's two reviews for Sports Story. There's sixes. Well, a six and a 60 out of 100. And I wake up in the morning on New Year's Eve and I open Fantasy Critic. And I scroll through and I look, I look at the point totals for everybody and I go, that's the estimated column, right? That doesn't make any sense. And I realize, no, that's the actual points column. And I have pulled ahead of EJ by two one hundredths of a point because in the dead of fucking night, God is a geek, which is apparently a reputable review site by open critic standards has given sports story a four out of 10. And I need to hang on for literal hours and I will win. The, and I, I will win. I will win. I'll get second place, which is as winning as either of us was going to get with Nick running a train <laughs> on us. And at this point, too, it doesn't it doesn't matter if Sports Story gets more reviews. You're more worried about any other game that you've got that you've had released in the past like month getting just one extra review and bringing something down. Exactly. By Two one hundredths of a point. <laughs> exactly, because it is so tight at this point that literally if Callisto Protocol, which was the game that the gift that kept on giving to EJ through the whole month of December, <laughs> that it, st- it opened at like a 76 and fell all the way to a 68.2. And if that had gotten one more like five out of 10 or six out of 10, it pulls it down a couple percentage points, I lose. If River City Girls gets another review that bumps it up a few percentage points, I lose. If Golf Story gets even another five out of 10, well, I probably I, I might have still I might have still won, but another six out of ten I lose. Like literally any point changes in the last day of this league happen, and I'm gonna lose. And at nine p.m. Pacific, twelve of uh, twelve a.m. Eastern time, twenty twenty three, the point totals lock in, and I have done the impossible, <laughs> and I have come from fourteen points down in twenty four hours to snake a bottle of whiskey that I'm going to savor with every taste bud in my mouth when we have guys weekend in April for the Mario movie. I just, I mean, and I literally was like, it's over. I don't give a fuck. I had checked out. I was like, I lost. I can't wait for EJ to get that whiskey. I love that. We made this side bet. Like that's the fun part of fantasy. Anything to me is like the camaraderie and the side bets and talking about stuff. And then from the grave, I am withdrawn 
And uh, <laughs> the salt level coming out of the group chat was uh, well over 9,000. Uh, I don't begrudge you anything you said, EJ. Some of it I was kind of like, well, he said that out of anger. I'm going to let that go. Uh, with regards to my terrible drafting. I didn't attack you personally. It's all all is fair in fantasy. I, I just attacked true. your picks. Some of them were bad. Some of them you, you made an ill-advised choice to counterpick one of the most beloved point-and-click yep. franchises I of know. all time. Well, and I think that more than anything else was the difference maker. I would say that you had you had two good pickups and then several bad middling to bad. No, they were all bad. Like Marvel's Midnight Suns and Monkey Island were both good pickups. EJ with the the just bangerang of a counter pick on that one, the Monkey Island. That was 17 and a even half. thinking that you could drop it, that was foolish. I mean, let's my my best pickup other than Monkey Island and Midnight Suns, and that's out of ten. We had 20 slots, right? So that's out of yes. like 10 Digimon. pickups. The highest one was worth 5.8 points other than the two that that were good or released. And Atomic Heart, that that one hurt a little bit. I really thought that that was going to go. Using the double pickup on Midnight Suns. I mean, yes, you did get uh, 12 points out of it, but could have been 12 points and then something else. You just you you I, I understand. I get it. You you panicked when you thought it when it, it got delayed because it, it got delayed with no date. So I understand. But. You could have held on to it. Well, to be fair, I also had dropped something that got delayed, and then I picked up Sports Story thinking, oh, my God, what a gimme. It got, you got, oh, the last-minute release. I'm like, oh, my God. So, like, Chris, yeah, you you may have had an extra slot, but it also could have Sports Storied and and just buried you even deeper. So who's to say? And Sports Story is probably going to be, like, around a 70 when all is said and done. Probably not. Probably not. Well, maybe yeah. like a, like a sixty even or a sixty two, but not like, a fifty three. It's going to only go up. Yeah, it's yeah. only going up. Like that is just it is literally the RN Jesus came down from RN heaven and was like, "You sir specifically are fucked. Good day, happy twenty twenty three," and went back up into the clouds. The thing, okay, listen. When it came to the group chat, and like I said, I've cooled off on this quite a bit because the nature of Nick's trophy, it's so good. Coming in third place makes it all that much better. So it's worth it. It's worth it to me. It's worth it. So I, it's 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 done and over with. A distant third. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> An overwhelming defeat. Chris. <laughs> Here's the thing: the salt in the group chat that night. I was pretty heated, and yeah, all is fair when it comes to the to, to the to, to the league. All like, is I'm fair. I'm gonna attack all your picks. It wasn't like I was talking shit about your wife or your mother or what, you're you know. hamming it up. You know, you're 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 playing the heel. You're you're playing the sure, sore yeah, loser sure. because I could tell that you felt you felt it and you meant it. But it was also you're hamming it up because that you, that's what you are. You're a natural entertainer. It's you good put on theater. A show. It was good theater. <laughs> it was fun. And and I was like I said, I was on Discord with Brennan, so I really was. But let me tell you, Brennan and I were on Discord together probably like six hours that day. And into into the night, and I'm literally refreshing every 15, 20 minutes, thinking, "Oh, it's gonna get, it's got to get one more review before the end of the year." And let me tell you how I was—I I went on a Twitter rant about this guy. God is a geek, gets zero engagement. I'm pretty sure my tweet talking shit about that guy had more impressions than his tweet about his own fucking review of the game. I'm like, what kind of motherfucker comes in at the final hour? Who has nothing better to do on New Year's fucking Eve than to come out and make sure his four out of ten. Review gets up for posterity's sake. End of the year. Got to get it up. He had two reviews go up that day. What are you doing? 
Go have fucking Christmas dinner with your family, weird ass. <laughs> He's doing a public service. No, okay. And then and then I read the review. And I'm like, okay, six out of ten, understandable. Most of the complaints about about sports story is that the new sports aren't that fun, but the golf is still good and performance problems. And the performance problems, as we've seen with Pokemon, will drag your game down. I understand. I don't begrudge those six out of ten. Six out of ten seems about right. Six and a half out of ten seems about right from what I've seen and and sort of heard from the people who have played it. Four out of ten? What use is a, a scoring system? This British fuck came in so angry that his precious golf game made him play soccer at 30 frames per second. Oh, no. Fucking pussy. Oh, my God. It makes me mad. Do you not have friends? Get a bottle of champagne and celebrate the new year, motherfucker, instead of ruining it for other people. I am, as we speak, subscribing to his Patreon. <laughs> just, yeah, just, that guy. just because just because he swung this whiskey bet for us with his bullshit four out of ten review. I will never listen to his podcast. I will never read his content, but I am giving him a dollar a month until they put me in the dirt because this is the greatest thing. This is a gift that we'll keep giving. Uh, I just can't believe it. And that all of these people, reputable, well-known in the industry, who, who, who review games and who would have been a certified review on Open Critic, who has been talking about this game. Game of the year contender. Oh, I'm not going to have anything to say until Sports Story comes out. Where is Sports Story? Every day. Not a single person decided to review it. And I know it was over Christmas. Yeah, they had champagne. A bottle of champagne and were eating Christmas dinner with their families. They were drinking with their friends and eating turkey with their freaking family. And I'm sitting here refreshing <laughs> Sports Story open critic page because some fucking British asshole... I don't know. Nothing better to do. It just drives me insane. Well, good for him. He got he got that review up there. Just in the nick of time. God forbid that had come out on the first of the year. So that's how it went down. You guys want a few more additional little fun facts? Little fun trivia bits? So if we were only taking points from games that we drafted, EJ would have won. Chris would have gotten second and I would have gotten third. Wow, I drafted so poorly, didn't I, Chris? Chris, it was a one-point difference between first and third for just drafts. EJ got 108 points, you got 107.3, and I got 107. Wow. However, We drafted really well. We all drafted really well. The pickups, however, are a different story. We know what the story EJ is. EJ got 37 points from pickups. Chris, you got 26.5 from pickups. I got wow. 111.7 <laughs> from pickups. I averaged 2.65 <laughs> points per fucking pickup. Are you kidding me? That is in uh, unconscionably bad. <laughs> you averaged 2.4 from pickups because you dropped games from your draft. So you picked up more than 10 games. That's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> That's horrible. So, I mean, if you're just, if you're looking at averages, our average draft points are 15.3 and our average <laughs> pickup points, Chris, yours is 2.4. EJ's is 4.6 and mine is 10.2. And that's the wow. fucking difference is that Nick is putting the work in and is going like, what are games that people are actually going to want to play? What's getting like good buzz ahead of release? Who have, who's had their hands on stuff? I have a murderer's row of pickups, like pickup and draft. Like I've so many of them are above 10 and like even below 10, I've got roller drone with a 79 or city girls, 78 curse to golf, 77 Ghostwire Tokyo, 76. Then it starts to fall off a little bit, but it's, it's that mid to low 70s range that was really biting both of you in the in the buns and the tushies. 
ended up being okay so here's another thing if we only count positive points so basically none of the counter picks that you lose points on none of your bad games chris you would have had 152 points ej you would have had 158 points and i would have had 225 so just like 10 points more but i did lose 12 points total for my counter picks chris and i are just equally bad is what i'm hearing from we're these bad in different ways bad filthy and casuals in unique yeah. and interesting ways we're both uniquely <laughs> trash <laughs> together baby you guys aren't trash no honestly you know we did really well for our league our average pick was 79 out of 100 so that's like a good game the 79 is a good game yeah more hits than misses you know yeah i will say i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun both years but but the first year I was really only invested towards the back half as things got really close between Nick and I. This year I was engaged from the start. I checked in every week when things went up for bid. I, I did my research and sometimes I would bid on other games that you guys had bid on. Sometimes I would bid on something and you know obviously you don't know if someone's bid on something that I put a bid in for. And it kept us entertained through the goddamn bitter end. And New Year's Eve was just a, a wow what a what a what a ride that was um and seeing seeing chris oscillate from there is no chance in hell you beat me to there is no chance in hell that that i beat you you get up late so i know that you woke up to my text that said i have pulled ahead of ej by two one hundredths of a point <laughs> i can't remember oh man i remember yeah just refreshing it refreshing it and at one point, I think I looked at the projected points. I'm like, I'm ahead again. And then I was like, wait, no, you did. You put that yeah, in they chat. Really, they really need to put the projected to the right of the actual. I feel yeah. like that's <laughs> that is a weird UI decision. Also, it's weird that both me and Chris have the same projected points and final um, our final uh, points summed up are the exact same. It's really weird. I don't understand how that happened. Uh, I think it's. It, the system's still a little broken between sports story and between it's still projecting that some of these games that EJ picked up that didn't get enough reviews are like, oh, they'll get some points. No, so if you go to the details page of, for each of our publishers, you get a nice big like uh, spreadsheet that shows the name of the game, when it released, when you acquired it, and how. It's score, it's projected points, and then it's final actual uh, points. And the fans, the projected points are still based on how however many people on that use the site total drafted it in their leagues. So a very highly drafted game like Cuphead had a projected thirteen point sixteen oh, points, but whoa. that's not based on any objectivity or any like evaluation of how well it'll review. It's just based on how many people think it will review well, which is an interesting way to sort of go about it. It's like a reverse meta approach to it because you know it's all made up shit anyway, but. Oh yeah, and you it's know, like, something like Atomic Heart not picked up very frequently. Hogwarts Legacy not picked up very frequently. River City Girls two, you know, five points that ended up getting you know eight stuff like that. You know. Oh yeah, now no, now that I'm looking at that, there's like you know games that didn't release are still like giving projected points, right? Just based on how many people actually drafted it in their league. This is so weird. So it gives like, you sort of an interesting additional data point that is like not based in reality, but is sort of like a a meta narrative based on the people who use this website. But what are the, what are the fucking odds of that? That the games that we happen to draft with those projected points and the scores they actually received, like not only what, not one, but two people in this league have the exact same number in both Matching of those totals. Like that's really weird. Yeah. It's weird. Which is like, maybe it's like a, it's like doing the math wrong, but then I look at EJ's and he would have had 
a lot more points because he had five games that whammied as opposed to you and me that got what like two i got two you got uh several but some of these were counter picks so those were negative well see i don't think the projected points updates to include released games it doesn't i i look at at your details page god of war for projected shows 1555 and then it's actual points 2653 horizon from the west 13.32 where it is actually 18.25 but but if you go through and add all these up it doesn't equal the total you see above below i mean i I know i see when you click on a game that it's got it's no look at your look at your uh details page right underneath your name it should say Uh, i details and then you click on that and then you'll see this big old big old spreadsheet you had no more dollars left i think you're the only one who spent all their money oh wait 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 chris had money left but he didn't have pickups left on the info tab it says the number at the bottom is a player's projected final score which is not the sum of all the numbers above it instead is the sum of three things one, any real points acquired from games that have already released. Two, expected points from games releasing soon, games that have a critic score but have not yet released. Three, projected points for any remaining games. So okay, it's because of the unreleased. Yeah. So it's because of his unreleased yeah. games. Okay. Or not his unreleased, but his unscored. games that came out, but unscored. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what okay, I thought. Okay. That makes more sense. I would, I kind of want to, I kind of want to add these numbers up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a sicko. Uh, you are. Well, that's listen. why you're the champ. That's why you're the champ. <laughs> we, that's why we, I have the spreadsheet. <laughs> we said we wanted to do a shorter podcast today because we were gonna um, we we're gonna do like a two parter um, and then draft. But we we still probably will draft tomorrow. Hopefully, if you guys are still down. But yeah, um, these will be probably two separate podcasts. So yeah, this is this been a long one. But I had a lot of fun with this this year. This is fun. Yeah. Um, my New Year's resolution is to do better win the league next year but but no with the podcast is just to record more often this year and to do things other than just talk about this league you know and we, we we've done it a few times we played games and talked about them and whatever but um and maybe we can look at more structure whatever we used to talk about video game news all the time that don't happen no more but yeah we can figure that out we gotta get a new logo get chris up in here and a little, uh, little refresh, baby. We'll see what 2023 brings. Looking forward to it. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's that for 2022, baby. Console Crusade Podcast. Whatever. Well,